Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Tina Horn, and you're listening to Why Are People Into That, a conversation show about sex, kink, gender, and love. And I am so happy that my guest today is my dear friend, Dr. Joe Osmondson. Introduce yourself, Dr. Joe. I am sexy, kinky, gendery, and lovey, y'all. I am, that is, I'm here for it. I'm Dr. Joe Osmondson. And doctory. And doctory. Oh, God. I am not a medical doctor, so uh, don't listen to anything. Can you, can you have a look at this rash? Yeah, I, uh, I can, actually. I'm super into rashes. We can do a whole yap it about my rash fetish. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> TBD. Uh, <laughs> I was, I'm going to try to see if I can get this. Molecular biophysics? Yes. Molecular biophysics. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. That's, that's what you're a doctor of. That is, I am a doctor of exactly that and only that, yes. Can you have a look at my molecules? <laughs> I actually could. Yes, I indeed. I can. Um, one thing that I did for a friend one time was pull out a hair. Mm. And, you know, hairs come out with lots of cells attached to them. You can chuck them Don't right, or, you can chuck them right under, under a microscope and look at all of your little happy skin epithelial cells sitting right there attached to your hair. What does epithelial mean? It's just like the part of your body that sits on the between the inside and the outside. It's the body boundary, barrier, the only border we believe in on this show. It's an illusion, actually. I don't believe in it at all. <laughs> First of all, let's talk about what what Joe is and who he does. I mean, <laughs> scratch that do not have enough time for that. Today, in an attempt to pander to your ego, I wore my food for thought hat. Yes. Joe is one of the four founding co-hosts of Food for Thought, T-H-O-T, which is a much like this show, a conversation show by gay sluts for gay sluts. Yeah. And uh, you, it's made you gamous. I got it's like so hard to be gamers, you guys. Um, what is that? There's this. There was an ad that ran on our show about how uh, Joel Kim Booster is too famous to go to orgies now, and I'm just like roll of eyes, so hard. There is no such thing as too famous for orgies. I'm so sorry. I've had a few experiences where I don't think about it at the time, despite my ego. You'd think I would, but um. <laughs> But I've I've had, you know, people that I went with be like, those people are obviously like, it's Tina Horn, it's Tina Horn. And, <laughs> and I'm like, cool, great for them. I mean, I've certainly like, you know, uh, stared at people who I admire at oh, yeah. play parties and, you know, 
voyeurism is participation, as I like to say. I uh, I definitely have had the same experience. I did once see a uh, food for thought hat mm. at an orgy, and what's fun about that it is is that it is literally one of the only articles of clothing in the room. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it's like one of the three things that anyone has on. So that's fun. I'm just imagining like a, a pink hat bobbing. <laughs> Bobbing up and down. Uh, shockingly, it was on, on a top, actually. So, you know, they were... It's not that shocking. <laughs> I really think our audience is like 99% bottoms, but I could be wrong. I mean, clearly, there's some tops out there, I guess. Well, I listen. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into this when we get into why we're friends. Because um, I'm only... If if you're not verse, we're not family. I, I I don't make the rules. Besides being gamous for talking about literature and butt sex on a podcast, yeah. you are also a writer, which is how we know each other, and a scientist. You have written a bunch of books. You're writing more. You have written amazing articles. Sometimes they incorporate your science knowledge. Do you ever write things that are not informed by, by science? I mean, you know, it's it's part of who I am. But the last thing that I had out was uh, an essay about why Equinox was always terrible. <laughs> and that, you know, is scientifically objectively correct, but doesn't <laughs> wasn't exactly based on my um, work as a biophysicist when I was writing that 1500 word think piece uh, to try to shame equinox gays and feeling bad about themselves since before trump was a thing that was in them period by the way one of my mics just totally stopped working so joe and i are sharing a mic i'm like loki turned on right now loki (laughs) yeah do you want to talk about some of the writing that you've done i write a lot of long form essays so things that i try to take on things that um you know would take more than a think piece to 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 work through i write a lot about um the memory memory of the hiv crisis and how that impacts uh, gay culture and action today um from the pre-truvada era um where we were sort of um those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s with our sort of first images of sexuality being informed by that type of death particularly queer folk uh how we kind of carry that in our body and then um how that has changed and not changed through the truvada age and you know i was really trained um as a virologist as a microbiologist my first molecular research was on retroviruses of which hiv is one Mm. Uh, so it's a place where i can't write about being a queer person without writing about hiv because it so informs my queerness my relationship to my own sexuality and i can't write about hiv without thinking about it both uh, as a human body and as a person who studies how these living things interact with our human bodies so uh yeah all my stuff and it tries to do it in a queer way where like i write about science but i do so emotionally and queerly uh, it's it's not meant to be like um tuesday science times write-ups with quotes from you know uh, stock pr science people it really is you know and science is emotional to me i do it professionally i'm emotionally invested in it i also study a little bit of the history of the harm and good that science has done uh, so that you know it is a human enterprise with a horrible tradition of human 
sadism, really, but also a tradition of, uh, of, of humanity and, and saving lives. So, you know, I try to, I, I just carry all of that around with me, what, whatever I do. And one of the other things that is what we're going to be trying to do today uh, is, you know, when there's something that requires a certain amount of scientific literacy, like the prep thing, like putting liquids up your butt, um, you know, if I have the ability to explain it to queer folk in a way that makes it more accessible so people can make more informed choices. That is something that I think is really important. So that's one of the reasons why I write so much about HIV, because every one of our decisions about uh, the types of pleasure we have, the types of drugs we do, the types of sex we have, you know, the more informed we are, the more wise we can be about our choices. And I don't think they're necessarily good and bad choices, but I do think having the information to make informed choices is important. And I think oftentimes queer people are just turned off by the way people talk about science. It's just like, a, you know, a, a stodgy old white person talking a bunch of language that is not, you know, it's not in our, the way we speak to one another. So I try to just talk about science, I guess, a lot. I've learned so much about science from you because of everything that you just described. I think that what you do is really special and really powerful. And also, you know, for I guess the one thing that I'll say about it is that misinformation equals death yeah. for queer people. And there is a history in science. One of the histories of sadism in science is the inability to study things that have to do with sexuality and queer sexuality that we really had to confront. Well, with. Not the not the inability, the un, the unwillingness. The inability, the inability within the scientific infrastructure, right? So yeah. it was an institution that was designed, and it still is designed, for example, uh, not to study certain things. Like we are not allowed to study. Um, marijuana because of rules basically made by the tobacco industry right mm -hmm. so science you know where the dollars come from and what we're allowed to study impacts human lives and you know uh sexuality and queer sexuality were so far outside of what we could even study um that and now i'm really critical of the way that we scientists do study queer sexuality right, right. like all of this genetics of homosexuality stuff you wrote that piece about the gay gene and the idea of biological determinism which i think really had an influence on the way that i thought about the born this way argument. Yeah, I mean, it's just in that I really that work is super important to me being able to kind of take, um, you know, scientific studies, and in that case, human genetics, uh, and, and also have my analysis of them be informed by queer theory, uh, race and gender theory, you know, postmodern, uh, post structuralist, post structuralist theory, which is like jerking off to Foucault over here, everybody It's great. That's what we do. <laughs> So speaking of jerking off to Foucault, so Joe and I met at Gay Writing Camp yeah, in 2014? 2014, yes, with Icon and God, Randall Keenan oh. as our teacher. Ugh. Oh my God. Yeah, and I feel like we bonded right away. I mean, Joe is a giant flirt. Uh, uh huh. I'm just trying to fit this microphone into my mouth right now. This is why Joe and I are compatible. <laughs> I got a big dick, everybody. That's why I got a big dick. I mean, I've never seen it, so. You've seen so many pictures of my dick. So many. More than I can count. Joe does like to show his dick off. To me. I mean, to other people, too, I think. Um, but uh, Consensually. Consensually. I would like you if you didn't have a big dick. I know. I'm actually fully not a dick-sizest, everybody. I love dicks of all size and shapes. There's so much love about you besides 
besides the fact that you show me pictures of your dick all the time. In chastity, out of chastity. <laughs> I'm also a flirt. But the people that I love most to flirt with is bisexuals. <laughs> I feel like you are a, a really great bisexual friend to me because you get it. You get it. And I can be like, here's my specific queer philosophical slash slut quandary that I'm having about being bisexual, even that term, can we talk about it? And you like totally fucking get it. And that's very important to me. You know, a lot of queer men, including out bisexual men, who like you, like, correct me if I'm wrong, most of your sexual partners are male. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like most queer men that I know who have slept with women, but now mostly sleep with men, pretty much just identifies gay or identify as like a, as being attracted to men of whatever kind. I really appreciate the fact that you are not like, oh yeah, no, that was like, I passed through the bisexual antechamber <laughs> and am now fully realized as a gay man. You like continue in your in your work and in your social life to acknowledge your desire for people of all genders as like a part of your identity and that that's very meaningful to me first of all because i enjoy being the object of queer male desire as a queer woman who technically like passed through the bisexual antechamber of having relationships with cis men and now i'm like fully realized as yeah. a fucking dyke yeah. but my like desire for men is like still a part of my identity and, and who I am, like, I see myself in you, which is why I like you. <laughs> Say, that ego, Tina. <laughs> no, I mean, it's so interesting. I think that the conversation around non-binary gender has so shifted. But, like, I've known since I first started feeling feelings for men that I was attracted to everyone across the gender spectrum. And, you know, I've dated and fucked and love dating and fucking very femme men and more mask men. And I love butch women and femme women. So it, it's just like, um, it would feel like lopping off a part of myself to, uh, not, to, to not have that, you know, be an active part of, of my sex life and my um, fantasies. Oh my gosh. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Can you give us an example? I mean, I just, I love bottoming for femme folks, and that can be a person of any gender, <laughs> but it is real fun. <laughs> it's just real, real fun. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you are also a notorious verse, and uh, I really appreciate that. I feel like we can really relate on, on that on that tip and not everyone can <laughs> oh i don't want just the tip girl <laughs> and we're both switches also not just verse but like verse switch where we can be more dominant and more submissive That's and right. uh, sort of play all sorts of different roles it's just so i mean tina is probably more theatrical than i am as a person <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it isn't fun to play all sorts of different roles and like sex is a, a playful space and a space where you can push into new you know identities and uh you know you can be someone who you who, who you you aren't in your daily life like I tend to be pretty caring in my daily life so but I've also realized that when you're fucking sometimes grabbing someone by the hair and spitting down the back of their neck is actually a way to care for them spitting down the, spitting down the back of their neck you mean the back of their throat 
No, because I have, have them by behind in oh. this case. But yeah, oh, 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 but like oh, if, but or spitting down, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, spitting down the, the their throat would also be. Yeah. Tell us about all the places you could spit on someone. Well, let me, how, how much time you got? <laughs> Forty-five minutes. So how are you feeling today, by the way? I feel great. Yeah. Truly. Any particular reason? Uh, I have just. Uh, yeah, had a really lovely night with my beau. <laughs> we were just on on the way here. We were talking about uh, Joe was describing his night, and I was giving him a compliment that not everyone can train from the bottom. I didn't know I could either, but woo, it has been enjoyable to to watch this particular beau's big top energy just come right on out of him. <laughs> He's surprised. I'm surprised. I'm the only one who's not surprised. I, I know. Oh, it's fun. Well, I'm so glad that we can be queer writing slut buddies for life. Yeah. You know, so earlier this year, we were both in Los Angeles. I was teaching a class that I teach, which I call Getting Clean to Get Dirty. It, it's basically kind of about the thing that you were just talking about, like educating people about anal hygiene so that the shame and misinformation and fear that people have around anal sex, a lot of which has to do with bathroom related stuff and taboos about privacy, taboos around bodily waste and excretions, um, but also has a lot to do with the fear of disease mm-hmm. and so, you know, I kind of get down into the real biology of that in as informed a way as possible, but then also talk about the why are people into that of it all? Like, why are people into anal? Why why do people enjoy enemas? Why do some people have like an actual like medical fetish, enema fetish? I'm So I'm teaching this class at the Pleasure Chest in West Hollywood and Joe's in town. And so he was kind enough to, to come to my show. I went to a Food for Thought recording and you came to my show. It was great. We were like not even in the place where we live and we're still supporting each other like queers should. And so we got into what someone else who was there recently referred to as the great enema debate of 2019, yes. Yes. where where I can't remember exactly what happened, but somebody asked why we advise people not to use say to use water instead of saline. And I think we were talking a little bit about like the safety questions of like, you know, what are the risks of doing a coffee enema or doing a wine enema or what have you. And Dr. Joe was there and uh, another friend of the pod, Bella Bathory, uh, who is in nursing school, was also there. And Joe and Bella got into a little bit of a debate about about what you should put up someone's butt, like liquid wise. Recently, Joe and I were talking about enemas as we often do. And... Joe mentioned that he had some new research. So what do you remember? What do you remember from that class and that debate? Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, I think that at the time, and I still think this is true. Um, there was a big, um, kind of almost a consensus among slutty folk online that I was reading that, that you should fleet with water, mm-hmm. that, that you should douche with water, that you can buy a fleet bottle, but you buy it, dump out the saline solution and fill it up with water and use that and douche a couple of times. Why are enema bottles, which one can buy for all kinds of 
non-slutty medical purposes, I'm told, <laughs> um, but that uh, often we use to clean out our rectums for the purposes of anal sex. Uh, why do they come with saline if you're just supposed to dump that out? Well, I mean, I, one can certainly make the argument that if there were just water in there, you might not need to buy a new one every time. And, and therefore, like, it's just for the act of consumption that, that you have to buy it all the time, that they put, you know, a thing in there that is like saline or glycerin or whatever it is. Yeah, but you can't. The reason that they're disposable is that, you know, that old saying, you can't put a condom on an enema because it has to, you would have to poke a hole in the condom in order to let the water through. But you can use a reusable bulb, which a, a lot of folks do, and they usually fill it with water. So I was always very opposed to this notion of uh, dumping out the fleet and using water. Personally, when I douche, I use the fleet. I use the little liquid glycerin one, the smaller one. Yeah. Uh, and that was informed by and science. The and, the, and the fleet is essentially, it's saline, right? It's like it's, it's, it's a high concentration of saline. Yeah, so it's just salt water, right? But And, and that drove me crazy when um, folks would say, well, you have to dump out the fleet and fill it with water because that's chemicals and you don't want to put chemicals in your body. Water is chemicals, right? Everything is chemicals, okay? So it's like we have to get a little bit more precise in our language besides yeah. just saying you don't want to put chemicals in your body. If it's salt water, you know, that's pretty chill to put in your body. Um, or is it? I think that's the question. Tina and I were talking about this and we were uh, sort of talking about why I think the way I do, which I'm going to explain to you. But at that time, there was really no conclusive data, right? What, as a scientist, what you want to do is I have assumptions based on you know, first principles, theory, um, osmosis, which we're going to talk about. But those are just assumptions. And, you know, if we really are want, to, want to give advice, what we want to do is have that advice be data-driven. Mm. And then, funnily enough, within the next six months, a couple of studies came out um, that are what, what are called meta-analyses. So they th there was no really conclusive evidence. Some studies said douching uh, was bad for STIs, and others said it was not bad for STIs, and some said it was bad for some and not others. And so a group did what's called a meta-analysis, where they collect all of the data from all all of these different studies and run really, really deep statistical analyses on them. And they came up with an answer. What's the answer? The answer is everyone is wrong. Everyone. Uh, and to get into why, we need to talk a little science. So if y'all just out there, just strap in. We're going to get into osmosis. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Before we get into, you've teased us on the science. Yes. And we've, we've teased sort of how this topic of why are people into enemas has come up between us and why you're here today. But I want to I want to scale back just a little bit and ask why are people into enemas? Well, I mean, I for for me personally, um I like having anal sex. Um it it feels like a nice thing that I do for myself and for my partner to, you know, uh, reduce the risk of um, sort of uh, poop accidents. They are going to happen if you have anal sex. And I think actually one of my rules is how a, a potential partner says they would or actually does deal with a poop accident yeah. is like whether or not there are good potential uh, continuing sex partner. It's like just a fact of butt sex, yeah. uh, which a lot of queer people have. So um, I, I like the kind of process that it does to prepare me. It makes me feel light and clean and sexy. Um, sometimes if I'm just feeling heavy and gross, I just do a little douche. Uh, I usually douche before I go out, even when like I have a partner and I'm not going out with them and, and know that I'm not going to have sex. It just makes me feel really um, sexy and, uh, you know, kind of... Um, light and able to just like 
focus on other things and like imagine that I can have sex if I want to, even though I might not want to later. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's a ritual thing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a homosexual who just loves ritual. Uh, and so it's a, it's a thing that I do to care for my body. Our mutual friend, friend of the pod uh, who has too many names, so I'm not going to name him by name has long referred to it to me as uh brushing his teeth <laughs> brush your, it's like brushing your teeth for your butt it is it is a is the toothbrush for the butt yes <laughs> sparkling clean don't use whitener though that is a thing no, that no, i no. can for sure say no, no, no. Uh, about about douche health no whiteners and let's let's go back to, to something that you were saying earlier about why why would giving yourself an enema make you more susceptible to stis so that has to do with the layer of cells that you have all around the outside of your body called the epithelium. Inside the rectum is actually outside of your body, right? That's the waste. It's about to come out of your poop hole, right? So there's a layer of cells that is actually a super absorbent layer because remember, one of the things that happens in the rectum is your body is reabsorbing the nutrients that might have gotten down that far. So it's a it's a pretty thin layer of cells and it's just sitting there, you know, the outside, what's in your rectum is outside your body and then what's inside your body is on the other side of, of these cells. Um, so that is a, you know, That's so hot. A, a vulnerable layer of cells, right? And anything that disrupts the integrity of those cells might make it easier for there to be infections. So infection rates are usually used as sort of a proxy of epithelial cell health. Although there have been some studies that have looked at douching and looked directly at epithelial cell health, but they've actually found a pretty good correlation, right? So if you disrupt that layer of cells that holds the inside of your body from the out, you're more susceptible to STIs of all sorts. But that also is, um, you know, just something to think about right if you are okay with having a slightly higher susceptibility to certain stis then you can douche in ways that might not be the best for this layer of cells if you're having sex with a monogamous partner and you both know your hiv status and you both know your sti status you know that it might be less important to follow the advice that we're going to give you on the ideal way to douche right and if there's a thing that you really like doing that is a little bit more risky it's sort of up to you with that knowledge to decide what is right for your butthole i really appreciate you putting that in that harm reduction framework and yeah that's really what we're here to do today and what so much of your work and my work has in common is giving people the information that they need without moral valence or judgment in order to sort of combat fear and danger and you know to 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 think about safe sex or safer sex in a way that has to do with being as informed as you possibly can and making sure that your partner or partners are as informed as they possibly can be and then recognizing that doing something that is a little bit riskier for you or for your partners is not necessarily like well let's shut down all possible risk because that's an illusion anyway ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
It's Virgo season, and that means it's time to fall in lust at the Pleasure Chest. Since 1971, the Pleasure Chest has supported their community's sexual growth and exploration by pioneering a sex-positive culture with an emphasis on education, enjoyment, and inclusivity. That's right, Pleasure Chest is turning 48 this year, and to celebrate, they're offering free shipping on PleasureChest.com orders all month long. Every fall, the Pleasure Chest focuses on their inclusive and accessible pleasure education program. Pump up your pleasure IQ with a free workshop at one of Pleasure Chest's five locations in LA, New York, and Chicago. All workshops are open to adults 18 and older of all genders, sexual orientations, and relationship statuses. Follow at Pleasure Chest Stores on Instagram or check back for their full fall and winter lineup of free workshops at PleasureChest.com events. You can also get your ass to class at Sex Expo in Brooklyn, where Pleasure Chest will be hosting workshops September 21st and September 22nd. Your sexiest body part is your mind this September and all year round at the Pleasure Chest. And now, on with the show. God, that thing about like the inside of your ass being the outside of your body. There's something really like sick and twisted about that and also kind of has that that power thing that makes my head swimmy it's i mean so here's the best thing i'm I'm the best top in the world because we've already started talking about science you just might not even know it yet gasp like gasp it's already inside you um the science is inside me the science has been inside of you all along (laughs) tina um no, I mean, it's it's one of the things I, as a scientist, find very ironic is because you always say, put that dick inside of me. But it's not. It's actually not going inside of you. It I is. love you. It's it's going into your rectum, which is still very deeply outside of you. It's like two human beings can never be inside of each other. Oh, can't we, though? <laughs> but we keep trying. We try so hard. So what would be scientifically accurate, Joe, put your dick on me against me put your dick put your dick between us in my rectum oh yeah 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 that's what i'll say next time so you know actually so my last name is osmondson as y'all know by now uh and when i was little they called me joey osmosis because i was like into science and had a last name that sounded a little bit like it osmosis is a word that i think everyone knows has heard and knows that it's a science word but we need to define it carefully because it actually is the force that we're talking about when we're thinking about if we want to put water Mm. or salt water inside of our body okay okay so as do we want a lake or the ocean do you want a lake or the ocean that's really the question we're talking about here (laughs) um so your cells are all bounded around them by a, a membrane right so that holds the inside of your cell from the out even cells just inside your body not on the epithelium uh and that is made of fat okay okay so water can pass across that freely okay um but fat is nonpolar, so it's hydrophobic so uh, salt, which are positively and negatively charged, do not get across the membrane of your cell unless there's a specific hole for it. These epithelial cells... A salt hole. A, a salt hole, which is like also... Science. Oh, I identify, actually. That's my gender. That's how your brain works. Your brain is just salt holes. It's electricity. That's it. Um, I know. <laughs> such fun, right? Um, so... Okay, so what happens, uh, because water can flow across a membrane, but salt cannot, 
Okay. Is that if there are differences in saltiness between your cell and the liquid around it, okay. water will flow to the place that has more salt in it to try to dilute out the salt. Mm. Okay? So that's osmosis, water flowing across a membrane, right? If I take human cells and put them in a test tube and put them in a test tube that's full of water, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is there's going to be saltiness on the inside of the cell because that's where all the salts are of the normal human life, right? There'll be no salt on the outside of the cell, which means salt will flow into this or water will flow into the cell okay. through osmosis okay. and it will burst the cell. Ooh. So if I take human cells and put them in a test tube in just water, they will all explode. Okay. okay, and that's called a hypotonic solution. Mm-hmm. Hypo because there is less water in this or less salt in the solution okay. than in the cells. Okay. Okay. If I take cells and I put them in a very salty solution, mm-hmm. that's called hypertonic. Okay. Okay. It's there's more salt in the solution than in the cell. Water will flow out of the cell and into the solution, shrinking the cells, but they don't die. Thank goodness. They don't die, right? The cells are okay. The cells are okay. So my thinking originally was that, you know, the fleet, the saline solution Mm. is hyperosmotic, right? So it'll go into the rectum. Water will come out of the cells of the epithelium into the rectum. And that's why it makes you have an urgent bowel movement. Mm -hmm. Because of how cells act in a test tube, that hypo, like putting water in your rectum, will force water into the cells. Okay. In a test tube, that would make the cells explode. Uh-huh. In a test tube, sticking saline would make the cells shrivel, but they wouldn't be harmed. So I assumed that it was better to use salty water. We Because do, we don't want don't things want exploding in our asses, do we, Joe? You do not indeed want things exploding in your asses. No. Well, <laughs> sometimes we do. <laughs> Sometimes we do. That's what Tina and I talked about about six months ago. Uh, and then these meta- meta-analyses came out, and they showed that using water, so hypotonic douche solution, and using fleet, hypertonic douche solution, both have the same effect. They are both bad for your epithelium. Oh, shit. We were all doing it wrong. So we should. So should we stop advising people to administer enemas before anal sex again you know you you know but by doing it wrong what that means is that it is an elevated risk of stis of Mm. hiv transmission if you have an epithelium in your rectum that is not as happy as it could be okay so um again it's it's a risk that you know you can know that and take it also use other prevention methods for um hiv and stis what would some of those be Condoms yes. are a great one that prevents, uh, largely prevents both HIV and STI transmission. Uh, I am on the PrEP, the Truvada as PrEP. So that is a daily pill taken that um, essentially basically 100% prevents HIV transmission. Uh, and for me, the, the most important thing that makes me feel safe is, um, you know, having responsible partners who I know and trust yeah. and having active conversations with those people about um, what their testing has been like, what their risk management is. And so kind of, um, you know, we all love having that, the slutty um, anon hookup. And I, you know, am a fan of that as well. But even there, I usually have conversations with the people about um, how they're mitigating their risk and whether or not we want to use condoms. Absolutely, because it's actually really interesting that my, I I immediately went to a place of like, oh no, it's bad in both cases, so we shouldn't do it. Like, which is actually antithetical to to what I teach. I, I think probably like a sign of the world that we live in. This sort of uh, alarmist, panic based 
approach to sexuality. Oh, uh, the, this study says that uh, coffee gives you cancer, so uh, it, it, coffee's bad now. But then, they, then a study comes out and says coffee uh, prevents, prevents cancer, yeah. and then you're like, uh, you know, give me a cold brew enema. If you are going to have anal sex with someone and you administer enemas to one another, or you administer enemas to yourself to mitigate the presence of fecal matter and poop and messiness. You know, I hate that word, right? Oh my God. I love the word poop. So, so you're going to have butt sex. You want to have as little fecal matter present as possible. So whoever, whoever's bottoming, whoever is getting it up the butt, maybe, maybe both of you, all of you, you use an enema, maybe you use a fleet enema, maybe you use one of those big gallon guys, maybe you use a shower enema, there's all different kinds of enemas. You put water up there, still you're still on the outside, <laughs> on the inside, on the outside, and you clean out to your comfort level, and then you fuck away, L- you know, lick away, pound away, whatever. What we've learned from this study is that whether it's water or saline, you actually may be increasing your risk for STI transmission in terms of the environment that you're creating with that water. Mm -hmm. However, if you and your partner are both tested, Mm -hmm. you're both trustworthy people, and you've communicated your status to one another, if neither of you has, for example, HIV, chlamydia, rectal gonorrhea, et cetera, et cetera, and on and on. If, if, if both of you have tested negative, you're not actually at higher risk for transmission right. because you, you can't just rub two gay sluts together to spontaneously produce NSTI. That's where gonorrhea came from, <laughs> Tina. Didn't you know? Just like spontaneously rubbing two yes. homosexuals together. Yes. Uh, but, you know, and, and all, all joking aside, you know, I think that the fear and the misinformation and the miseducation that we, that we are inundated with can prevent us from being able to enjoy sex that is actually quite safe by the criteria of low to no risk of transmission of certain STIs. So just because my point is giving yourself an enema might create an environment that is more susceptible to transmission does not actually mean that you're that the sex that you're having is less safe if you know your status and your partner's status. And that's my rant about that. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that I think about sometimes are uh, other rectum health issues. Uh, One can get cancers in one's rectum. Uh, And to my knowledge, and I'm just Googling now, uh, to my knowledge, we don't have good studies on the impact of douching on rectal cancers um, or other issue tears or other issues of the rectum. Uh, You know, again, these things that have to do with uh, sex and sexuality particularly queer sex and sexuality are often understudied um i sort of 
uh, have an intuitive sense. You know, people have been douching since uh, for forever, yeah. since for forever. Um, you know, so I tend to think that if there were a huge association between this behavior and things like rectal cancer, those are things we in the community would sort of intuitively know yeah. is a risk. Um, I don't sort of feel that way about um, my understanding of these things, but we don't really have strong data on other issues of anal health and, and, and douching. So, you know, all of that should inform like what we know should absolutely inform your decision making, but knowing what we don't know. Mm. The same thing with um, the long-term potential side effects of Truvada mm -hmm. as PrEP, right? Mm -hmm. We actually don't have good understanding what HIV negative people taking these drugs for 10, 15, 20 years is going to do. And that, that what we don't know should inform your risk analysis as well. It is interesting too, to think about the messiness of the shame that is involved in trying to get clean when it comes to sex, because when it comes specifically to anal sex, because, you know, part of the reason that we're talking about enemas is because of the idea of like, well, you need to make sure that that area is like squeaky clean before you get your face up there or before you get your genitals up there. But like, you know, clean in the sense of what? In the sense of there being no fecal matter there. Clean in the sense of there being no no possibility of STI transmission, that it's not diseased, right? Like cleaning it so that it's not diseased. Which is not how diseases work. Tell us. <laughs> Agreed, exactly. You will not douche away your gonorrhea. You know, that's not an effective... But what if I just keep scrubbing it and scrubbing it? With, what, if I, what if I just, like, pour enough shame on there? <laughs> um, putting in a plug also for Garth Greenwell's forthcoming collection of short stories called Cleanness, um, which takes a putting lot of... Putting, putting in a plug, do you see what I did there? I do. Uh, which takes a lot of these issues on in a very sexy way that, that includes shame and also includes the erotic as a possibility for overcoming shame. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> what the most recent study found is that hypoosmotic, so water mm -hmm. going up in your butt, increases the likelihood of HIV and STI transmission, and so does fleet, right? So these super salty solutions. But wait, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt. So the, the interesting thing about that is that what that says to me is that you're at a lower risk for STI transmission if your butt is shittier. So, right. So, again, inverting the sort of notions of cleanliness, right? Um, that what might be clean in terms of shit is, like, actually um, making it riskier in terms of STI transmission. And you might have squeamishness or repulsion having to do with smell or association or whatever where you, like, don't want shit to be there, but, like, specifically with regards to douching in order to get things clean, if what clean means is less disease, which it often, a lot of studies of repulsion come from the idea that like we're repulsed by vermin that we know to spread disease, right? Well, and, and, you know, our repulsion to shit is because it's full of bacteria, which it is, right? So, you know, we wash our hands after we poop to try to make sure that the bacteria in our butt doesn't get back in our gut and make us ill because, you know, your butt bacteria and your gut bacteria are different. And right. if you get one in the wrong place, it can give you a stomach ache. Uh, taboos are cultural and exist for a reason mm. and then you know inverting them can be erotic and this mm. is not outside that this is very much in line with kind of all of those you know why culture has a taboo and then why it feels good to break it so what the study found is it looks like what's called an isotonic solution 
which I'll explain what it means in a moment, does not increase the likelihood of HIV and STI transmission and therefore likely does not disrupt the epithelium in the rectum. But how, but can we buy it in the store? Do we have to make it at home? How would we make it at home? Do we have a, a, a crafting formula? Get recipe? Out, get out your craft books that you actually, so it's just salt water, right? So okay. the douche you buy in the fleet is super salty water. Water water is no salty water. Okay, and so what you want is basically. Dilute, dilute, dilute. You could do that. You want basically a saline bag, like the like the IV drip. That's like that called that's called isotonic. It, you don't put water into an IV into your bloodstream because it would burst your blood cells and mm. it would be bad for you, mm. right? So you want that's what that's how you want to treat your butt, right? You want to treat your butt by giving it the type of solution that is the exact same saltiness as the cells of the human body, all right? Okay. And that is 0.9% weight by volume NaCl, right? So that is 9 grams of salt of table salt per liter of water. That is the recipe. That's all you got to do. And it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty low salt concentration. So you just mix it in and it'll go right into solution. And, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I can't give you any medical advice. I'm I thought just, you were a doctor. I'm just giving you information, yeah, yeah. right? So I know all of you at home may not have a scale because we here in the America uh, don't, don't typically use scales in our kitchen. Uh, so point Nine grams of salt per liter is about a teaspoon and a half of salt per liter. We don't use the metric system here very often. So that's about six and a quarter teaspoons of salt per gallon. If you want to mix up a gallon of isotonic douche solution. What if I wanted to use... That that sounds a band name, doesn't it? Isotonic douche solution. We are isotonic douche solution. (laughs) Yes, it does sound like that. What if I wanted to use, what if I wanted to use like Himalayan pink salt? So that's the, I would stick. Kosher salt? What do I use? I would stick to Morton's and that's because, um, you know, the crystal size and all of these things will change the density of salt. So the number of molecules per unit. Uh, mass changes. I just, this is Morton's Spawn Con. <laughs> this is, the, and uh, you know, I didn't, uh, there is actually a company out there now that mm-hmm. makes isotonic douche solutions. It's this guy who's a doctor, uh, a gay doctor um, and surgeon in LA and New York, of course. Uh, it is like one of these, you know, very like millennial seeming brands. Um, and basically it's just isotonic douche solution. It, it, if you can afford it, it seems like a great option. I love the idea of, Artisanal enemas. Is this how we're going to make our millions? It's called Future Method. So if you Google isotonic douche solution or Future Method, um, you'll find this product online. Oh my God, it is literally called Bespoke Surgical. Yes, correct. I know these data and I haven't tried the isotonic yet. I like the little fleet, the ones that are super concentrated. I, I know that works super duper well for me. I'm bottoming less than I was before and I'm bottoming exclusively with um, a monogamous partner right now. Yeah. So for me right now, uh, I'm kind of very very comfortable with the the elevated risk of using a hypertonic, so a salty douche solution. And I'm sure I'm going to try this at some point, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to. This is brand new information within the last few months. Dr. Joe's Science Corner, Joey Osmosis. Joey Osmosis! <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing this intel to us today. I'm wondering if we can close hearing about your enema ritual. You know, including like any advice, like, okay, I'll, I'll start here. I'll start here. I love it in the butt. Yeah. 
And I love having an enema administered to me. And I love, you know, by the, maybe even the person who's going to put it in, in my butt. And I love administering enemas to other people so much. It is like top five, top space solutions speaking of <laughs> solutions for me but uh, you know sometimes uh, when it comes to douching myself i find like reaching giving myself the reach around <laughs> it's not the same reach around L like reaching my arm around and like actually being able to like squeeze and get like the gravity right or get like uh, like actually being able to like get it up in there to be a little challenging uh do you have any like advice for like positions or how how long before hand and also like what how, how do you know that it's all out you know just just tell us everything actually a, a fan of food for thought uh, taught me the emodium trick oh, yes. so uh it works incredibly well for me if i if i know i'm not gonna be having sex immediately after i clean mm -hmm. uh, i pop to emodium about 25 minutes 30 minutes before i douche and emodium is a it constipates you right it's an anti-diarrheal basically mm -hmm. um so it kind of I've, i view it as it sort of stops new things from entering mm -hmm. uh and then the douche takes care of the things that are already there i also am i know this about myself i'm hyper duper super regular mm -hmm. so if you're not maybe the emodium is not a good idea it's mm -hmm. never given me a problem in terms of like constipation i'm like it i'm just as regular as what i always am which is maybe why like douching and then waiting is bad for me because my body is just constantly making shit it's gross i'm gross bodies are fucking disgusting uh so yeah i've i've added emodium to my douche rituals which i love uh it makes me feel really like I, it gives me like an eight to ten hour window where i feel like sexy and clean uh and then somebody should make artisanal emodium <laughs> patent pending patent pending we're gonna be millionaires <laughs> Horn. <laughs> Damn it. That's okay. Um, no, can you can you imagine like a whole section of like like a goop style website? I mean, this is kind of like what we're looking at here right now with like really like like nice photography and like millennial pink and yeah. just like a whole. I mean, it's really it's not a bad idea. I mean, the millennials are doing it in the butt a lot, and you know we all need to know the best way, the healthiest way, the least risky way to 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 make ourselves feel good and sexy. So yeah. I I'm you know I'm for it, but just you know. Fucking Morton salt and water out of your tap is a shit ton cheaper. That Imodium at your CVS, don't buy the Imodium AD brand. Get the fucking CVS brand. Get a bottle of 100. Shit, it's not that expensive. Yeah. Like, you know, I grew up very poor, so I'm all about doing it on a budget, y'all. Doing it on a budget. Um, and I, I buy my fleets in bulk. Because okay. I, I like them and I know what brand works for me. I use the, the liquid glycerin ones that are small. Usually one does the trick. Sometimes if I'm feeling necessary, I'll do two. Um, Have I, you ever used the um, – because I just recently got from B-Vibe uh, a silicone bulb that you can that you can reuse. I think that the, the, the part that actually, like, goes in the butt is plastic and not silicone. But yeah, do you use like a disposable one and reuse it every time, like a plastic one? The problem is, and and I'll have to see um, about the other these new methods. But water doesn't work for, great for me because it, I get too I it, I can't get it all out, and then I'm too like wet, like in a bad way. Right, right, right. Uh, like, like loose. 
No, no, no. no. Oh. Like mess. Like it. It might be clean, but the water is like everywhere, um, and that doesn't feel good to me. The reason I. Use- but if you've but you if you've made like a gallon of solution, then you can put it in the silicone bulb and reuse it. Correct. That's, I think that's, that's the, you know, if that's what people want to do, that's a great, great solution for your isotonic douche solution is just to put it in a reusable bulb and, 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 and go, go to town with that. I like to have a glass of wine. <laughs> okay. I like to uh, listen to music. Yeah. Um, Any, and did you have a, uh, an enema playlist? Oh, Scorpio King Frank Ocean. Duh. <laughs> just the feelings going in, the feelings coming out. <laughs> Just, uh, I love that. Uh, and and the boy that I'm dating now had has given me a, a fun tip that he likes to do uh, poppers during. Okay, so you're gonna put on bisexual icon yeah. Frank Ocean. Correct. Also because you know you're using salt water, so it's just easy to remember. Frank Ocean. <laughs> the tears, all the tears. <laughs> D- douching with tears are probably great. It's isotonic. You well as a king Pisces over here. Love douching with tears. It's me. Yes. Oh my god, what a great idea for a scene. I want to like collect all of your tears and then administer an enema to you <laughs> of your own tears. Maybe that'll cure what ails you, Dr. Joe. The hilarious thing is you think that I haven't already done that. Have you put your tears up your own butt? I haven't. No. I mean, metaphorically, yes, for years. <laughs> That's all I'm doing when I'm bottoming. Really, being friends with you is like having an enema of your tears administered to us at every moment. Can follow, follow me on Twitter for my tear enema, my daily tear enema. Tenema? No, tear enema. <laughs> it's a bad okay, portmanteau. Okay, go on. So, so Frank Ocean is playing. You've taken your emodium. Uh, you, you've got a glass of, of rosé, depending on the season. Always rosé. Always rosé, year-round. Year-round cold brew, year-round ro- rosé. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's like that thing. So I, I like the, the fleet, the hyper-osmotic ones, because, you know, it also makes you have a, a movement. Like, it induces mm. the movement. Mm. Um, and I like that feeling that also makes me feel clean. And so I, you know, usually just one of those little things is not that much liquid. But it gives you this immediate, like, almost immediate, like, ooh, I got to go. And then, you, you know, get it out. I go until, you know, uh, what is coming out is like the clear solution. Sometimes, by the way, with those little fleets, uh, if you can douche like 45 minutes to an hour before the sex act, then, you know, 10 minutes before the sex act, you can kind of push out the remainder of the liquid and then hop right in the shower, Mm -hmm. use one of those good old booty scrubs. Get all up on the outside, right? The outside of the outside, not the inside of the outside, as we've all learned. Uh, Yeah, and I feel great. You know, I can go out dancing. I can have someone over at the house, you know. Or I can just, like, sometimes I just want to douche and cuddle. It's true. That is true. That's Well, that's really nice. I mean, part of the reason that anal sex feels so good, that any anal stimulation feels good, is that it stimulates or activates an autonomous nervous response. There's two kinds of autonomous nervous responses, which are basically like things that your body does that you don't consciously think like, I'm going to raise my hand in the air, like instinct responses. Your heart rate and things like this, yes. Right. So like a sympathetic nervous response is like fight or flight, Right. right? Your adrenaline starts pumping the experience of a sympathetic nervous response is like arousal or fear. Your 
pulse quickens and you start to sweat, right? And then a parasympathetic nervous response is so that you can sleep or cry, right? Or digest your food. Or digest, rest and digest, right? My my theory, part of the reason that anal sex, besides like the stimulation of all of the nerve endings that are contained in the anus, is like part of the reason that it makes you so high is that the, the high that you experience when you are bottoming anally is a parasympathetic nervous response and that enemas activate the same thing, right? So like that's it's part of the reason that people like find it so relaxing to sit on the can, right? Because your body is like... Let's relax so that we can have a bowel movement, right? Well, who doesn't love taking a good shit? I mean, I certainly do. But I, like you, am regular. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my theory about why enemas are really good for BDSM. If somebody's administering an enema to you, you're making yourself vulnerable. If you're administering an enema to someone, you are uh, going really deep in, inside their body, like deeper than like the biggest dick, you know, I'm sure that your dick can get very, very deep into an ass, but probably not as deep. Not as deep as tears. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess like going through all of this besides like getting your biological fact check, I'm curious, like you were just talking about like douching and cuddling. Like, do you find that do you find do you find it relaxing? Do you find it euphoric? You know, what's your and if so, why do you think that is? I for sure find it relaxing. And I also um, I, I wouldn't say that I find it euphoric, but I find it relaxing and then I find it makes my body feel really nice afterward. And maybe that's, you know, my verse bottom coming out that like, you know, being able to take something is like a nice resting state. Mm -hmm. And then I also just hate being constipated. Like it's a bad feeling in my sure. body. It makes me feel heavy and gross. So sometimes it really is just for me about like wanting to feel not like that and wanting to feel empty as a void as it were. And it's not about sex at all. Actually, sometimes it actually is what the fleet is you know, like commercially made for. It's not about sex. It's about the void. <laughs> the Joey Osmosis story. I'm sorry, but sex is all about the void, <laughs> Tina. Like it is sex is just fill in the void, girl. Fill that void. <laughs> I'm trying. We all are. Oh, God. Well, Joe, I want to... Do you feel like you said everything that you wanted yeah. to say about enemas? For sure, yeah. I feel great. I feel clean and ready. Do you feel cleansed? I feel so cleansed. Do you feel emptied out? Oh, I feel so emptied out. Did you? Did this podcast make you feel me deeper inside you than you ever had before? Like tears. <laughs> you are my tears, oh, Tina. <laughs> that's so nice. I know how much you love crying, so... <laughs> Well, Joe, I know you've got to get a run in. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much. This is your uh, a rare repeat offender for the podcast. I'm so honored. It's a real, I have so many people to thank. <laughs> your mama and Elvis. Um, I am, uh, but really, uh, you were on the show uh, with the other Food for Thought boys, uh, before, but it's been a couple of years and we spend so much time drinking rosé and talking about sex that it's about time that you came on the show. A solo appearance, really. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm Beyonce. I'm no longer Destiny's Child. <laughs> oh my God. Is this your, this is your crazy in love moment? <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I just I just realized what I had signed myself up for. I cannot live up to. I'm not a Virgo. I am not perfect. I am not Beyonce. Well, it's Virgo season, and I'm uh, and I'm very happy. Don't you have Virgo somewhere in your? Yeah, Moon. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That means I, something. I'm sure. I, I love Virgos too. I have a lot of Virgos in my life. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be a Virgo in your life, Joe. What is coming up for you that you would like to uh, plug? Season four of Food for Thought. Great. Uh, we are on iHeartRadio now. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. That's food, the number four, and thought spelled how? T-H-O-T. Uh, so we're coming at you weekly now. Super excited about that. Oh, that's um, I'm going to have uh, an essay about disco pleasure, the Andrew Holleran novel Dancer from the Dance, and computer programming in the LA Review of Books coming in October. So keep an eye out for that. Everybody listening to this knows how disinterested I am in <laughs> the intersection of disco and homosexuality. <laughs> I mean, those things are fully overlapping in the Venn diagram, I think. Yeah, so, you know, uh, follow me on Twitter at ReluctantlyJoe. Check out my website, josephosmondson.com, if you want to keep up with all this stuff that's going on. Thank you so much, Joe. I love you. Love you, too. Insert making out noises here. (laughs) The most bisexual making out. (laughs) Makes out bisexually. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 